Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Old Lady Speaks podcast. I am your host, Danny, coming to you for episode number 64, the episode in which we debate whether we should just throw our laptops across the room instead of watching Juventus week to week. As you can tell, it's going to be another happy edition of this podcast. So instead of me trying to make corny jokes, why don't we get the rest of the crew in here and bring in Sam LaCrosse. Hello, Sam. Hello, Danny. You know, the... Um... You know, in Inside Out, when the anger character like has fire exploding out of his head. Yeah, that that that's it. That 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 that's the mood. No need to go any further than that. We've got sharks. Hello, sharks. Uh, hello there. Um, actually, uh, I, I I like that movie a lot. So I like that reference. Yeah, Inside Out, great movie. And uh, I do know what you're talking about. So uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, let's just uh, yeah, let's just get started. By the way, sharks, is that an FC Dallas? Jersey, oh yeah, Jersey. Yeah, yeah, I am actually. Um, I'm mean, for no particular reason at all, um, really. I mean, we. I just came back from hiking a few miles with the family, so I uh, just needed something relatively, uh, yeah, sports oriented or exercise oriented. So, so uh, yeah. Although, funny enough, on that note, so as I may have mentioned on the podcast or not. Andrea and I, we coach a uh, under 10, a U10 soccer team Yes, here. You're, you're coaching them total football. If, yeah, well, more like total pay attention to what we're actually saying and actually follow instructions. <laughs> but, but yeah, we're thinking of taking them to a uh, local, uh, so we live about an hour from Columbus, so taking them to a Columbus crew game. It's just seven kids or so. 
So yeah, we're thinking of doing that and just kind of exposing them to, you know, I mean, actual, you know, professional grade soccer, which will probably be a far higher quality than uh, Juventus can muster. So uh, yeah, let's uh, let's kick it. You beat me to the joke. And not last but not least, Sergio. Hello, Sergio. Else, happy to be here as always. Uh, that, that's a, that's a stretch to call MLS professional grade soccer, though. Like that's that's that's. I was waiting for somebody to say it. I was gonna say it you know, myself if I you mean, hadn't. It's it's cool that you consider it like MLS professional football and all, but I mean, let's be real here. I mean, at this point, it's a stretch to call Juventus a pro- professional uh, team. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. I don't disagree in that. Neither do I. And as Chuck steals another one of my jokes, as I was thinking of it. Double we shall kill. begin with, with another Juventus meltdown. And obviously it starts with the fact that half of the starting lineup wasn't there, which was putting Max Allegri in a corner to begin with. And then Federico Chiesa was held out for, I believe, his precautionary reasons more than actual injury reasons. So that puts Max Allegri even deeper into a corner. So Sam, remind me of the count of how many outfield senior squad players there were for uh, Saturday's game against Napoli. I believe there were 14. Correct. I think you're right. And obviously that means options, at least figuring out who was going to start was pretty easy. How they were going to line up was maybe a little bit more difficult, but no matter who Allegri threw out there, when you've got a goalkeeper who is making mistake after mistake after mistake, like what Chesney currently is, and then you've got Moise Keane who – about has had about as opposite of a debut as we hoped he would doing what he did. Uh, I, you know, last season I got tired about writing of this team shooting itself on the foot and we're three games into this season and I'm already tired of it. So in that case, Sergio, your comments usually lighten my mood on this podcast, your thoughts on the latest Juventus implosion. You know, I'm going to throw you a curveball here. I, I don't think they played that bad. I don't think they played that bad. I'm going to defend them. I, I don't think they played that bad. I think, uh, you know, like you said, it was an implosion. Um, you know, it was another, like another couple of gaps, another couple of times they shoot themselves in the foot. It is what it is. But as a whole, given the conditions that they were playing in, given what we knew coming into this game, I, I thought they played reasonably well, especially the first half. I think that was a quintessential Max Allegri vintage performance. We're going to, you know, take our chances. And if we score great, and if not, at least we're not going to, you know, allow them a a whole bunch. I think the first half, they played really, really well just on that. And then even in the second half, I don't think they were playing all that badly until, until Luca Pellegrini who played, uh, which was a shock for many of us who thought that he would actually never get to play. You know, until he gets subbed off and they have to do that whole, you know, reconfiguration. I thought they were playing really well. And then, you know, shortly after the the Walsh blunder, you know, comes on and and the wheels fall off. But under the conditions, I really, really expected them to play a lot worse than they, they actually did. Was it great? No. Do you want to lose points? Of course not. Is it okay to be eight points down already to the leaders? Yeah, it's not ideal, but overall, I I would say they played a lot better than I thought they would, and it was weirdly enough, uh, kind of like an improvement on what we saw against Tempoli. Against Tempoli, it was just a team that just had no plan, 
no idea just guys being in weird positions like it was just a weird weird badly played badly executed game this was i don't think it was that i think it was a pretty well you know managed you know in general take out the mistakes i think we're talking about a you know a draw at the very least of course we can't do that they did make those mistakes but honestly i i didn't think it was that bad now am i happy with them no but it wasn't that bad i'm gonna disagree with you i'm gonna say it was that bad for the reasons of those mistakes i mean this is a year now and we can and we can now officially say that it was something other than having an inexperienced coach that it was the reason all these mental mistakes were have been flying around the team for the last 12 months because Max Allegri is one of the most experienced that, that, that there is, and it's still flipping happening. And, and I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I agree with you in that the first half was textbook. It was a textbook's Max Allegri smash and grab. Alvaro Morata, who I agree with you uh, in the grab bag, actually had a, I, I thought had a quite good game. He, he jumps Manolas, he scores the goal, really great finish. And for the first, for the entirety of the first half, yes, Napoli had almost 70% possession of the ball, but they didn't do anything with it. And that, that control that they had went out the window very early in the second half. And I think well before Chesney made the mistake, I think they just, I, I, I think that this, there, there is a mental weakness in this team you know that they're you know the the hallmark of that streak had bit has always been you know Juventus gets hit in the mouth and then they come back and they hit you two or three times in your mouth i am no longer confident that if something ha- that if ad- something adverse happens on the field that Juventus can respond and that is really 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 upsetting because there are teams that are looking like they are better than us in Serie A that are going to hit us in the mouth. And if we keep on crumbling like this, we're going to be looking at, at wondering whether the top four is going to be a pipe dream by the end of this. I don't, I don't see progress because these mental mistakes, I mean, were they running around like chickens with their head, heads cut off at, like they were against Napoli? No. Are these these inexplicable mental errors just repeating themselves and repeating themselves and repeating themselves for more than a season now. Yes. So I don't see improvement in the biggest part of what has been in the one area of this team that is responsible for why the results have been so bad. And that's on the coach. And I didn't like Allegri, you know, going the self-esteem route in the, in the post-match press conference. I, it's, you know, Pirlo did that, that all last year and it never changed. It's time to start rattling some cages. Like get, like tell a dude, tell a dude he f***ed up because, you know, Walsh f***ed up. Kane, I don't, Kane is a, is, yes, he screwed up as well, but I'm also, I want to know what a striker especially a very young striker was doing in that position defensively on a corner kick because he does not have the instincts to 
to work up to work that. And, you know, best I can come up with in terms of trying to explain what he did is what he thought that Woj was somewhere else and was trying to head it back to him. But yeah, I, I can't say that there's been progress when, when they just keep on aiming at their foot and firing because the biggest problem isn't improving and it's what's given us the situation that we're in right now. Uh, I mean, I'll se- semi-agree with Sam and then semi-agree with Sergio. So kind of a disclaimer, I did not see the second half. I was only able to see the first half because, I mean, sorry, have a life. So the first half, yeah, like Sergio said, I thought the first half was good. Somewhat ironically, I thought we did score against a little bit against the run of play. Uh, I mean, that said it was in the ninth minute, but still, or the tenth minute rather, but it was still a little bit against the run of play. But fair enough. I mean, how many times have we not, you know, had that happen to us? So, you know, I mean, that that was at least like, that was at least kind of a change in like, you know, usually we have that happening against us. Like we're, you know, not playing, we're playing well, but then somebody else scores against us. And that, that kind of just knocks out the wind uh, of our, out of our sails, if you will. But um, so yeah, this time, you know, that happened for us. That said, so yeah, then the first half was good. I thought, I mean, just, just kind of a typical Allegri performance or typical Italian performance. Well, okay. Old, it's old Italy, not Mancini's Italy, um, but just, of, you know, soak up the pressure. They have 80% ball position. Okay, fine. Um, as long as they, you know, don't have like, I mean, even if they have shots on goal, as long as they're just kind of desperation shots, I guess. If, 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 the, if the opposition team, personally anyway, if the opposition team, okay, if they have shots, if they have kind of like, you know, pot shots of, you know, awkward angles and stuff, yeah, fair enough then. Um, so that was first half, but then, um, well, based on what I read from the second half, it just, well, it wasn't as much like that. It wasn't, the control wasn't quite there. Uh, first of all, and then, of course, second of all, the individual mistakes. Yeah, I mean, what do you do about individual mistakes? I, I mean, I don't really know. The, the nature of individual mistakes is that they're just, you know, you can't really control for that, for them. They're like aberrations. I mean, you can't really, you know, what, yeah, what, how can you control individual mistakes? I don't really know. However, like Sam kind of alluded to, it's one thing when they're anomalies here and there, individual mistakes here and there, obviously that happens, we're human. But then once, what is that inflection point when individual mistakes are no longer kind of aberrations here and there and there, when does it become a pattern? Because then when it becomes a pattern, then there's something underlying going on. Um, yeah, again, I don't really know. I do remember... I mean, this is slightly off topic, but I do remember um, a, a book I'd read from one of my favorite economists, a behavioral economist, uh, Richard Thaler. Um, well, Richard Thaler and Cass Sunstein is called Nudge. And uh, basically he was talking about how like, how he, he had this column called Anomalies in the, I think in a new or in a journal in some, econo- in some academic journal. And he was basically like chronicling anomalies in economics. And his whole thing was indeed like, okay, if you take an anomaly one by one, it's like, huh, that's weird. Huh, that's weird. Oh, that's another mistake. But then once you take them all together over a certain time frame, then it's suddenly like, whoa, okay, this is so much that we can't ignore it. And that's how he kind of talked about like how to shift from traditional economics to behavioral economics happen. And, you know, it kind of reminds me of the same thing here. Like, okay, we have individual mistakes 
here and here. And if we look at them in isolation, then it's like, okay, well, that's odd individual mistake here by um, Moise Kian. Uh, you know, individual mistakes by uh, Chesney, obviously. But then what happens when we take them all together and start looking at them, looking at them all in one? Then it's like, okay, is there something bigger? Is there a pattern here that we can't ignore anymore? Yeah, I'm, not, I'm just not really sure. When it comes to Chesney, though, I mean, my patience is wearing a little thin um, with him as well. I mean, I like to think I'm a pretty forgiving guy, but I mean, my patience is wearing a little bit thin with him as well. Yeah, I think it's 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 to a point where, yeah, I mean, it's 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 becoming hard to justify his place uh, in the team. I, I'd said before, I think the last episode or episode before, like, okay, you know, you want to obviously, especially a goalkeeper, you want to give him confidence and just give him that faith, but. Yeah, I don't know. At this point, I don't. I don't. I'm just not, I don't know. I w- I don't think it would be completely unjustified to bench him for a game. Would I absolutely want to do that? I don't know, but I wouldn't be like up in arms if if Allegri did that. Yeah. So let's see. Yeah, let's see. <laughs> well, that lies the problem that Juventus currently faces is that they've got one a goalkeeper that is obviously very shaky on confidence right now. He's making mistakes. You know, what was it? You know, basically three of the five goals that Juventus has allowed this season have come directly from Chesney mistakes. It's not something just isolated to this season. It's pretty much off and on the entire calendar year. So now we're talking what, you know, outside of the summer break, essentially seven, nine months. So, you know, most of the years, Chesney has been riding this roller coaster. But then on the other end, you've got a a backup in Mattia Perin, who is a very good shot stopper, but he's also, you know, not as strong in other areas. So do you stick with the keeper who's very much rattled right now? Or do you turn to a backup goalkeeper in Mattia Perin entering another huge game if you decide to have them start against Milan, I mean, it's just, it's a, it's a situation that doesn't inspire much confidence either way, just because I'm not all that confident in Chesney right now, but it's not like he, you know, it's not like Allegri can just turn to Buffon, like Buffon, like Pirlo or Saudi could the last couple of years. And I mean, I, I don't really have all that much faith in Perrine right now, but at the same time, Chesney needs, a break. He, he, you can just tell his his confidence just isn't there. You know the the shot that Insigne took yesterday. It just that's a save where you either parry it or you catch it. You don't do what he did, and he did the one thing you shouldn't do, and that's try and what parry it or whatever the hell it was right into the path of play. And obviously, Napoli scored. You know, milliseconds later. So I don't know. I mean, I mean, I'm just kind of rambling at this point but it's i i really don't know where juventus should go with this other than something has to be done because the status quo just ain't working it is ryan here and i have a question for you what do you do when you win like are you a fist pumper a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And that's, that's the thing, right? That's why, you know, that's why Max Allegri gets paid the big bucks, I guess, because he has to make that those type of decisions. And, and you know, going back to last year, I, I remember writing that that's why, you know, Gigi Buffon was in the perfect position for Juventus because here's a guy that, you know, he's the best goalkeeper to ever play the game, but he's a veteran. He He's very clearly very you know, decidedly the, the backup, he's kind of like the mentor. So if you have your, your number one struggling, you can put Buffon there and he can play a couple of games. He can steady the ship. He can give uh, Chesney time to kind of like get his mind together, whatever. And even mentally for him, it's not a demotion, right? Like you're not benching him. You're just giving him a couple of games to settle down. Here's this veteran guy who's not going to take your spot because he's, you know, the old, a veteran guy he's not really going to be the number one he said so himself so you're you're good your place is secure and you got a pretty good uh backup to to kind of like you know calm the waters a little bit right now Juventus doesn't have that like if Allegri decides to bench uh Chesney for either the the, the Malmo game coming up or for the next game against Milan that is very clearly a, a demotion type of thing because Mattia Perrin is not the elder statement. Like this, this is a guy that came in to fully compete for the job, but also like being the backup, like everyone knows he's the backup. So if you sub him in that, that then translate just because of who Mattia Perrin is and because of the, the form that Chesney is in, I think that very much translates as a, as a demotion and you risk just kind of like completely shattering the, you know, the remains of confidence that that Woj might have. So do you do that for a guy that is very much not a sure thing in Mattia Perin? Like you don't like he might be the same. He might be worse. Like you don't know how he's going to play. He's not a sure thing. So it, it's it's weird to be in this spot so early in the season to kind of make this move, make this gamble. But I agree with Danny, like at some point you do have to say enough is enough. And especially when your keeper is the one that's shaky, is the one that's making mistakes. I think that does translate to the whole team. Like the, the analogy for me would be like in baseball, like when a pitcher knows that his defense is shaky behind him, right? Like he, he knows that if it's if he, you know, any Philly. If he concedes any sort of contact, that's a hit. Like he knows that. So he pushes it, he forces it, and it just it, it goes through the rest of the team. And I think that's the that's the same thing that happens with Juve. Like the defenders push, the team pushes because they know that at any point the keeper might make his mistake and, and it costs the team. So it, it's a tough, tough situation to be in at any in general, but it's especially tough so early in the season. Anybody see Buffon when he like ran the length of the field to celebrate in the Parma game last yes. week? And yes, that... my my heart is still trying to recover from it. Yeah, uh, that's and that's... by all by all accounts, he's playing absolutely great with Parma right now, and that is just 
it's it's crushing because this would be the perfect time to be like, okay, Gigi, we'll give you Malmo, we'll give you Milan. Tech, take a you know, take a couple games lot, try and get right mentally, and then we'll we'll take it from there. But Buffon's not here, and I mean, you can't blame him obviously for going back to Parma. But man, having that that security blanket there was just it was so nice, and now. You know, you, you, you don't, you don't know how much, how much you miss something until it's gone. And, and, you know, I miss, I miss Gigi more than I usually do. Yeah. And, and it is very much like, you know, to, to extend the baseball analogy for Sergio, you know, if the, if a baseball player, if, if there's a hitter in, in baseball, who's just having a really rough stretch, you know, you bench him one, you know, you bench him one game, one or two games to give him a mental health day. And that's not such a big deal. In, you know, you're in a, in a situation like this, especially, and Sergio mentioned this in the grab bag too, you know, if you're giving Perrin a shot and he doesn't take it and you end up having to go back to Chesney. Yeah. What happens if it doesn't work? The, uh, who, who now has even less confidence? Then, yeah, it, it's, and, and, you know, I, I do not, I don't, I still don't for a second regret leaving Gianluigi Donnarumma on the table this summer because Manuel Locatelli was far more of a priority target and we weren't going to get both. That's just the financial reality of it. But, you know, it, it, it certainly does, it, it, it certainly isn't the greatest, you know, and it's a situation that, because you know, this is now, you know, towards the end of last season, I wrote that article basically saying, cool it with, with Chesney. You're, you're comparing him to the standard of Buffon, which is not fair. And he, but he's progressed. And, and at the time I wrote that article, I was, I'm still pretty sure that I was, that, that, that that was right. But he's moved beyond that now. And now he really is starting to become, you know, uh, you know, a, a problem. And, it's something that Allegri's, you know, Allegri is a, Allegri, his man management is, is, is up and down. I remember um, Morata's second season with us, the, the first time he was there, he went through a really bad period. He played him in a Copa game, gave him a couple of penalties, and then all of a sudden he went on a hot streak again. Like, if he can do, figure out some way to do something like that with Chesney, you know, this is, this is a huge test for him in his, in in this second tenure and he's got to fix it quick because you do something like that when Zlatan is in the is standing in the box on on Sunday it's not going to go well I mean in fairness I think if you're ever going to drop Chesney personally I think you know you want to make it a calculated risk so yeah what's the minimal risk you're running I think is against against Malma in in the Champions League on Tuesday, I believe. Yeah, Tuesday. I mean, I think that is the lowest risk game to to drop him. Uh, just given the opposition, not, you know, given the you know weight of the occasion. Uh, that is obviously Champions League, first match day, so you want to start off well. The easiest-ish game, technically. So, And that's yeah, where I think, I think that, that's where I think it gets tricky for Tuesday. Do you bench him for the Champions League opener? Like, what does that do for him, for him 
mentally. Like, yeah. What's that, what message yeah. is that sending you? I mean, like, yeah. if it's and, and it's all and it's all I mean, this was all this all hap- has happened so fast because those the first two seasons that Chesney was the number one. He he bailed this team out a lot. If it wasn't for the form he was in in the, the season under Saudi, I don't think Juve wins that title. But, you know, since the, since the calendar turned on 2021, it's just gone straight down. And it's it's hard to see where it's it's impossible to really see how it's just such a it, it's such an enigma. Yeah, maybe there would be like a couple clunkers in a season. Now it's like a, a clunker or two every couple of weeks. And then this season, now that that's process is almost accelerated to you look at the Udinese game and then you look at this Napoli game and three, like I said, three goals are directly connected to a mistake that he made. I think you also want to look at the types of mistakes he makes, Chesney. And I think the worrying thing is that, I mean, on the one hand, you have technical mistakes, which are, I mean, as the name suggests, mistakes of just technical quality or or just poor technique on footwork on a save on positioning or whatever um and then you just have mistakes that are just, just i mean clunkers just complete clunkers um i think we have examples of both um so far the one against well but no both against Udinese. Uh, the first one being sorry the second one was was the first one. Well, anyway the one for the penalty was the that was i think that was kind of a technical mistake of just poor positioning really like the way he kind of felt like it, it was, I think it was just poor positioning. Uh, and then the other one where he like tried to pass the ball out, that was just a clunker. And then the one against uh, Napoli, I think that was also kind of poor positioning too, really. And poor, yeah, just handling or yeah. I mean, a combination of both. So anyway, point being, that's kind of a problem because I think you have, if you have, if you just have clunkers, I don't know, again, it's just, those are aberrations. Those are like just, Technically, there are anomalies, you know, if you just have like, once you're like, oh, I was shouldn't have passed that ball there. Oops. Like, or I just, you know, try to be too cute on one pass. Oops. But yeah, if you have both, then it's, uh, yeah, I don't know. That's a little worrying. Uh, plus also, I mean, I don't know. I'm assuming Juve has like a sports psychologist on staff. I mean, surely, you know, someone should have a chat with him, uh, with Chesney and just, you know, yeah. Analyze what's going on in terms of both technique and confidence and just, just, mentality you know and you know they're human beings again so like okay what's going on in his mind and just what's yeah how can we help him in that sense? get him leonardo bonucci's mental coach you know and, and that's the thing like we're all talking about like chesney full grown man who's a professional and we're like oh if we bench him like he's gonna mentally break down like at some point like you also have to to consider and, and that, this is going to be the decision that Max Lareri and his coaching staff have to do. But, you know, maybe even, you know, I don't know him, obviously, and we're just guys of, in the internet again, but perhaps benching him does work. Like perhaps that, you know, lights a fire under him and, you know, you know pushes him to, to improve and to try to gain back his, his starting spot. You know, it, it really is something that I think every person in general is different. And especially if a player is different in that situation, right? Like, does benching him completely, you know, break him for the rest of the year, maybe for the rest of his Juve career? Or does that, you know, you know, trigger a bounce back? Who knows? But the fact that it's so early in the season 
and we're already having to make these choices is that that's the really difficult part because if he if you decide to give him more rope if you decide him to to play him a little bit more and he you know commits another mistake against Milan and you lose that game you are now 11 points looking up at the table and i know it's super early but 11 points it's 11 points like you already did it once on the Allegri in that 15 16 season and that was a comeback for the ages but i don't with think with a much league, better team with, i i you know forget the team i think the league in general is a lot better now that than too. it was back then so I, I don't think you can spot you know your any team right now and say yeah 11 points and just think that you're going to bounce back and you're going to you know go on a streak and get all those points back i think you're really, really putting yourself on, on a very, very thin margin of error. And we're in match day four. So, it, you know, I think it's time for them to, to really look at themselves in the mirror and, and really, really figure out what's the best choice uh, moving forward. Because if, if they stick with him and he commits another mistake and it costs him and costs cost him another game, Damn, that's. I mean, I don't want to be over dramatic because it, again, it's match day four, but that 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 could be, you know, kissing the league goodbye in October like that. That would be insane. Yeah, and I think Sam alluded to this uh, early on in the in the episode, but you know, we obviously have to remember that essentially half the team was missing. You know, with the whole the, the South American contingent missing, and just to put it on the record again, how just absurd. The qualifiers are there's the international fixtures just this particular i mean well this cycle and then just kind of the recent history the last few months just yeah i mean just how asinine it is definitely the more i think about it the more i realize absolutely copa america should have been cancelled and they should have just put qualifiers qualifiers during that time because it's you know this is complete absurdity i mean you have players playing Friday morning Italian time, Central European time, and then expected to play on Saturday afternoon, evening for their clubs after a, what, eight to 10 hour flight. I mean, just complete madness, you know? And I mean, I'm not one to defend like very rich men in general, (laughs) very rich superstars in general. But yeah, for once I do have to say like, it is completely unfair on the players. I just, and it's just, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it, yeah, it's madness, you know, and, and then you get these uh, suggestions of uh, playing a World Cup every two years now as well. And yeah, you just, you just wonder, you know, you really wonder what, like, yeah, who, yeah, I mean, where the concern is for just any kind of player health at all. Plus, you look at some of the players that Juventus were running out there on Saturday and man, did they look gassed as the second half went on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they played three internationals in seven, eight days, essentially, uh, coming off um, obviously a busy COVID year. And then they played the Euros slash the Copa America as well. And the CONCACAF, uh, was it Euro, CONCACAF Nations League or whatever it was as well. I mean, yeah, you know, <laughs> it is it is just insanity. Just, yeah, how much they're playing. And and again, with the whole suggestion of every two years uh, being played, I mean, I don't know, I Fair enough, I should probably read in more extreme detail what the exact suggestion was. But if that suggestion is being carried out with the current structure of internationals, that means the qualifying cycles are going to be condensed into even less time. Because if you have every two years of World Cup, 
you know, usually it's every four years, then, you know, my understanding is that there would be a very, very revamped qualification system. If you yeah, were to do that, I, I, I agree with you. It would be, I agree with you. It would be a ridiculously stupid idea. Yeah. It would not only water down the meaning of the world cup, it would subject these players to, to physical strain that is unsustainable because you'd have a world cup and then you'd have, you know, continental championships on the off years or would the continental championships, you know, stay on there. It's, it's all ridiculous. And then you're asking countries as well to host it every two years. And, you know, you're increasing like logistical burdens on like, yeah, that's, that's a, uh, to to use the, to, to quote the great George Carlin, or to sorry to paraphrase the great George Carlin because I've already given Danny some editing to do in this episode. It's all bullcrap and it's bad for you. Yeah. Or to quote one of Chuck's favorite shows, not great, Bob. Yeah, that's a that's a little more PG, isn't it? <laughs> well, I mean, actually, the show isn't really, but yeah, I should say it shows anything, but but yeah, not obviously not to excuse Juve's just general poor course of events recently, but I don't know. That said, you know, the season is thirty eight games, three down. 35 ago so i don't know some kind of a faint shimmer of hope but regardless i i mean i still don't have high hopes for juve i still think eventually he's going to be top four i don't still don't see us winning the title anyway but let's see i know we talked champions league a little bit last week or a lot of bit last week but does the fact that the south american contingent coming back for tuesday's game against melmo if i want to be like chucks Almost. <laughs> Almost. That's right. You're I mean, hell, I, I didn't even leave live in Sweden. I'm just pronouncing it based on kind of my knowledge of Danish knowing well, that they're kind you, of your the knowledge of Danish is a lot better than mine. So uh, as uh, I was ma- saying Mangatak uh mean Ben Mangatak. <laughs> does the South American contingent coming back give you any bit of hope or more hope that Tuesday night won't be just absolutely terrible? I mean, yeah, there is definitely that, that element is, is, an, is a big one. And I feel like, I feel like we're not, like it doesn't, it makes so, it, it was a huge element of the Napoli game, but the fact that the team self, that the, that the team that was out there was in a position to win and then self-destructed has kind of obviated it to a certain degree as a mitigating factor because they were in position to win and, and then they just blew it up on their own. Will having Quadrado and Dybala and Chiesa and Danilo and, and Sandro back in the lineup be a, you know, be a shot in the arm for the team? Absolutely. The question is, do they have these, you know, will they have the yips or is this just going to keep on going the way it is with just a new cast every week? You know, who does, you know, fill in, fill in mistake here. That's, that's where their, that's where their addition has to change things. Yeah. Yeah. I fully, I fully agree with Sam. I, I, like I said, I didn't think the actual display against Napoli was bad. So, you know, getting your, you know, your arguably your two or three, actually probably three most talented attacking players in Chiesa, Dybala and Cuadrado. I mean, yeah, of course that's going to make them a better team. They should you know, keyword here should uh, beat uh, Malmo rather easily. Uh, but then again, like you can never discount like 
like we're saying, all roads lead back to Chesney. And if you can be playing a great game and if suddenly he gives away the farm again, th there's really nothing you can do as, as a, you know, as a team, if suddenly your key, your goalkeeper is just giving away goals left and right. So I, I do think it's going to be a big boost. I, I do still think they will win against uh, Malmo, but you know, it, it, it's all up in the air until we start seeing until we start seeing actually consistent uh, goalkeeping again, or we see another goalkeeper entirely, that's all that's going to keep hanging over this club. Like when is the other shoe going to drop? So a solid, if they decide to stay, to stick with Chesney, a solid mistake-free performance against Malmo, that's a positive step in the right direction. Yeah. And I think also just the fact that, you know, the return of those players, it would just mean that we'll at least have a bench. <laughs> like, you know, because I mean, against Napoli, I mean, my God, we have basically no bench. And that obviously forced the players, well, most of the players to play for 90 minutes or play out of position or, kind of, yeah, kind of awkwardly out of position. So um, just having a bench that will, that alone will, you know, prove very uh, significant and uh, provide a difference. Also, just back to your, back to what you were saying, Sergio, really quickly. Is there a point where with this goalkeeper situation, you just say screw it and you sell out on attack and just start, start, start trying to outscore people? That's the or, Arsenal way. <laughs> or the, I mean, yeah, yeah, it's very much the, you know, the, the, the Premier League yeah. uh, or, you know, like the like Liverpool, the year that they, you know, had Mignolet and, and Loris Karius in goal, like before they got Alison Becker. Is there a point where you just have to start doing that? Because you have no other option with the with goalkeeping being this shaky. I would love to see that. Uh, they, they haven't kept a clean sheet in like 17 games or something. Like, sure, I, I think that they have the, the right talent to, to just become an all-out offensive team. You know, the, the thing is, you know, can they do that? Like, Allegri has never been a super offensive coach in general. So, you know... Who knows? I, I, if I were to, you know, ponder a guess, I, I don't, I don't think dear poor old Chesney makes it to October. Like if I had to make a guess, hot take, I don't think he makes it to October. That would be my prediction. I mean, very, very quickly on your uh, thing, Sam. I, I mean, I personally would rather not because here's one for the data nerds. Yeah, uh, you want to minimize the expected goals and all that, and. I think by focusing on the fence, you're reducing the well, expected goals, the expected threats that um, Chesney will be facing. So that would, and if you reduce the amount of threat that Chesney faces, then you reduce the probability that he makes a mistake as well. So um, personally, I'd rather still stick with kind of the general strategy of defense, I guess. Although again, 17 games, no, no clean sheets. So that's also a, a bit dire. Well, the counterpoint to that is that Udinese literally had no scoring chances until Chesney gave away a penalty. So yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, I mean, yeah. as much as as much as you know, you can kind of do that math and be like, okay, well, the less shots says Chesney sees, the less chances there are for a mis a game changing mistake. Well, in the season opener, we saw all you need is one, and there can be a game changing mistake. Yeah, like the Beatles said, all you need is love, and all you need is one shot. Or two. I thought you're going into an Eminem lyric there. All you need is one shot. And 
No, that's you already have enough editing work to do with the uh, expletives, so I don't know if you want any more. <laughs> uh, we won't. We won't start talking. Start talking about mom's spaghetti or anything like that, Chuck. Don't worry. I mean, my mom is on my sweater already. So I don't know. <laughs> All right. Well, let's uh, let's get some to some Twitter questions here, and as you might guess, a few of them are about the current goalkeeper situation. So I'm going to combine all of them into one giant question and you guys can choose whichever one you want to answer. So give me a minute to read them all. First one here. And I, like I said, I'm just going to rattle them off from our, at our Rusitano. Is it possible to rotate Chesney without destroying whatever confidence he has left from at Lapis goat? When do we see Perrine from at Juventino underscore BNA. Should Carlo Pinsolio go to Gigi Buffon's keeper camp so he can get get to be the top keeper and we can get Woj out? And one more here from at Roger of Thornhill 5. When will Max put Perrine in to help stop the bleeding? And can we get Buffon back in January? Have at him, gentlemen. I want, uh, I, I'm down for getting Buffon back in January, but I, I, I don't know if he's going to want to do it. I mean, like Sergio said, I I wouldn't personally put Woj on the bench Tuesday. I don't know if I would even do it on Sunday against Milan. But if between now and the end of the Milan game, there is another howler, I don't think you have much of a choice on that Wednesday game against Spezia. To, at, at that point, if there's another... You know, if he if he starts getting some clean games, you know, doesn't have to be perfect if he's a little like, you know, but but still ends up making the play, fine. Let him that let that that be something he builds on. But if there's another really big, really, really big costly mistake within the next week over these next two games, that's when I think Penning has to be put into play. Yeah, I, I actually, I've been alluding to it in a couple of grabbacks. Uh, you know, I, I, if you want to talk about January transfer deals, if this doesn't get solved, it would not shock me if, if the Juve brass is kind of calling, you know, France, calling Paris and, you know, kind of like sending a couple of up texts up there and, and seeing what they think about making a making some sort of loan because again if this doesn't get solved if 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 suddenly chesney gets over it and he goes back to his pre-2021 form awesome if perrin gets subbed in and he suddenly becomes you know the 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 young prospect guy that everyone thought that would you know compete with donnarumma for the you know number one shirt in in the italian national team awesome like that would be great but if if you know goalkeeping continues to be a, a position of need and we're in January that to me is the most just logical you know it, it doesn't have to be a full-on transfer it can be a loan it can be like listen you have two really good keepers they obviously don't whatever it is that they thought they would that that's not going to work to actually have two number one keepers like that's going to be a thing I would take Navas I would take Donnarumma it doesn't matter but I think if you're looking at a January, you know, sort of short-term solution, I would look to that as a probable solution. Now, with that being said, I do agree with Sam in the sense that I think just because of how early it is, 
just because of, of the fact that you gave him your full confidence in the offseason. And just because I, and this is just me completely speaking out of out of my ass. I mean, I, I don't really know anything, but I just don't think Allegri likes Perrin that much because he already had him on the squad. And, and you know, he very clearly went with Chesney in that year. Like he never really gave uh, Perrin much of a shot. So I, I don't think he's super high on him. But in general, I think you do have to give him at least another couple outings. If, like, like I said, I don't foresee this getting any better. So I, I think he doesn't make it past October. But, I, you know, if you were looking at a January solution, that would be my idea. And just in general, bringing in Petty, I think you have to wait at least a couple more matches. Yeah, the only thing I have to add, uh, besides what I've said just earlier in the, in the episode about uh, Chesney and Perrin and that whole situation. Yeah, is that I, I I personally would drop him for the Tuesday game in Champions League, but then reinstate him for the Milan game. That's what I would do. Alrighty. Next Twitter question here from at Aron Ur. Do you guys expect anything of Bentancourt and Arthur this season? I think Locatelli is stronger when he's closer to the box, so I'm hopeful on Arthur's comeback. Ah, wow. I mean, Ar- it, it's always it's always weird with Artur because it, it you never really know where in the midfield to play him. Like, he's not a pure regista. He's not a box-to-box midfielder. Like, it, it's just hard to figure out what, to, what you would do with him. And... I personally thought that Locatelli was actually quite good from the Regista position today, uh, uh, yesterday, um, and would like to see more of him there. You know, and with a full squad and a, a different layout of the team, I think that he could do some really great stuff there. I think Benton, I think Bentoncourt belongs in the box-to-box slots. He's not going to be, you know, the Regista experiment's got to be over with him. He, he seems to grok whatever Sadi wanted out of him, but nobody else has come close to getting that out of him. But yeah, I, I don't see anybody better suited to the Regista spot than Locatelli because I don't think Artur is it, and Benta certainly isn't. I mean, I, I don't know. If we can somehow figure out a way to make Artur Regista, I think he has, like he's a quasi-Regista, I guess. But I don't know. I feel like he has the attributes to be able to 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 succeed in that position i mean he has a great passing range i think i mean okay the short the, the cute little circles and all that but i think he has a, the, or yeah no, go ahead you, no you know you go first well, well yeah i mean i think he has the, the the technical ability to be a regista but yeah would he would he fit right now as things are probably not that i just feel like that's one of those players you could kind of mold into a different position. Like, again, you know, I always give the example of uh, Christian Eriksen at Inter, you know, when he was a trequatista. And I mean, okay, he was a successful trequatista during his career, but then, you know, moved him back to Regista and that, you know, worked, I mean, very well. So I always have some faith that these kinds of positional changes are possible. But yeah, I don't know. When, if, how, who knows? But I think if he can, then you know, have a great Regista and then Bentancur in that box the box position. I think he'll obviously thrive in that kind of position as well. And yeah, Locatelli kind of either box to box or Regista. I think both he'll thrive maybe a little more in the box to box, maybe, but I think the crucial piece is that is that Regista position. 
I, I, what I was going to say to you, Chuck, is that does he, Artur, he has the technical range to be able to do it. I would agree with you there. But this stubborn refusal he has to play the ball forward kind of obviates the ability that he has, especially when that position needs that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, true. But again, that's one of those things where it's like, I think he has the ability to do that. Like, I think he has the, like, just a passing ability to play those kinds of Pirlo-esque long balls. Obviously, he played at Barca where you learn all, you know, all the short passing and all that. But I, I don't know. There's something about it that, that I can't really explain it rationally. But I just see it and I'm like, okay, I, I, I just see in him that he has the technical ability to play difficult passes. Does he just need a coach to just tell him to, like, just hold him by the neck and say do it you know maybe i don't know but i i feel he does have that ability and also just the, the ability to just spray passes from you know side to side and just keep that i don't know the english word but that that kind of through flow i guess the flow of the play to keep going yeah i think he, he can do it but yeah something in me tells me that it's 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 just one of those coaching things that he needs those it's a cerebral thing rather than and a technical ability thing, I think, but I don't know. I, I think Arthur, is, is, he is kind of like the big enigma here in, in, in Juventus midfield because I think I agree with, with Chucks, I agree with Sam. Like, I think Rodrigo Bentancur at this point is what it, he is. Like, he's not going to really develop into a register. He, he can be a decent box to box midfielder. Uh, you know, he has the defensive chops, he has the, the stamina to do it. I think that's his best position. I think that's where we're going to see him. But for Arthur, like we've seen so, like for all the the, you know, for all the, I think of all the worst that we've wasted on Arthur, we've seen so very little of him. When you really think about it, like he only had his first year at Juve, he played very little. He only he had I, I don't know how many matches he had, but he didn't really play a whole heck of a lot. And in the few moments when the Andrea Pirlo era seemed to be may be successful it was with Arthur playing in that center midfielder you know position with you know two out and out box-to-box guys like Adrian Rabiot and Rodrigo Bentancur flanking him that's the moment that he looked the best and that's the moment the team actually looked the best and then he got injured and that was that right and and he that weird mystery injury kept going and he only got the surgery in, in the summer. So we haven't really seen anything of him. I agree with Chucks. I think he has the technical skills. I think he could develop under Allegri. Who knows? But, you know, I, I do think that if, if he could manage to be a serviceable, not even a superstar level type of, of holding midfielder, center midfielder, if he could, you know, be a serviceable player in that position, I, I think that would be very, very helpful to Juventus just in the sense of allowing the team to play a whole bunch of different ways and giving the team a lot of flexibility moving forward. So in regards of those two players, I'd be more intrigued about Arthur than, than Bentancur. And I actually kind of looking forward to seeing him play because we've seen so very little of him. It's hard to really make a call one way or the other because we really haven't seen enough of him. All right. Last question here from at Chris Caps 08. Is it time to hit the panic button? We're really, really close. Oh, I hit the panic button button like, I don't know, last year, really. <laughs> um, yeah, I've just, I don't know. 
I've you're, just you're like that uh was it office office max commercial just hitting the that was what's easy that was... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah i just i just remained in a constant state of gentle panic i think so uh yeah i mean i've, I've adjusted my expectations for uve quite some time ago so i yeah i think i hit the panic button a long time ago and then i smoothed out my emotions to just say okay it's going to be pretty dire for a while until it gets significantly better yeah if, if you didn't to make a short answer if they drop points against milan i i think it's time to hit the panic button for sure all right well we're either close to hitting the panic button about to hit the panic button or as chuck said so far gone from hitting the panic button that's just old old news at this point yeah, it's deja vu all over again. So, yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Yogi. Appreciate it. I got them all day. Did <laughs> uh, you ever see History of the World Part 1? Michael Brooks because nobody panicked. The soldiers turned the corner. Panic! Yep. 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 Well, on the panic or not panic note, we will wrap things up for this week. Thank you all for your Twitter questions. They were very much a last-minute thing, so we appreciate you guys getting them over to us in quick fashion. If you want to send us Twitter questions, you can send them to us at Juventus Nation on the Twitter machine. You can also follow us there, as well as Facebook, where you can find us at Black and White and Red All Over. You can also use that as your search tool for your favorite podcasting platform, whether it's Apple iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. Search Black and White and Red All Over there. So, for Sam, for Chucks, and for Sergio, this is Dan saying thank you very much for listening. And hopefully we won't be as disgruntled and in a fairly decent mood next week. I know that's a lot to ask for right now, but, you know, we got to keep drinking.